Hallelujah. We're back to John 17 from verse 20. Um, those of you who are worshiping with us for the very first time, at the very end of the service, I will just want you to come with, and, uh, in the front and uh, I want to just say a word of prayer, a thing or two. And in the meantime, we pray that you also partake of the fellowship of the word of God. Hallelujah. Okay. Can I ask one of the ushers, please, to close this door? Um, I don't want the camera person to freeze to death, as well as the preacher. <laughs> so if I could have this, this door closed, I'd appreciate it very much. Um, so today... As promised, I would like us to look at the benefits of promoting oneness in Christ. The benefits of promoting oneness in Christ. Remember this. What you do not promote, you demote. I'll say it again. What you do not promote you demote. Last time we spoke about the oneness that we are called to and why we are called to that oneness. And we looked at John chapter 17 from verse 20, which is where we're going to go to. John chapter 17 from verse 20. The Bible says, and, and just the context, Jesus Christ is praying before he goes through all that he suffered at the hands of the Jews and the Romans before he went to the cross. So he is praying from verse 20 that my prayer is not for them alone. Who are them? He's talking about the disciples he is with at this particular time. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. He was expecting them to take the message that he had given them and take it out to others who are also going to believe and who are going to be part of those whom he calls mine. All right? So he says, I pray for all, also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you. That's the oneness he's talking about. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. I love that statement. And to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Hallelujah. If you are in Christ Jesus, Jesus is with you all the time. That's the deal. Hallelujah. So, a couple of things that we saw 
was that Jesus wants to be with us not just now, but for all eternity. Think about it. How long is eternity? Eternity is such a long, long, long time. That Jesus makes it very clear that where I will be, which is where he is right now, he says, I want them to be with me as well. God's plan for you are not for hell. Do everything you can not to end up in hell. Because that's not where God wants you. And when you look at Revelation chapter 21 onwards, I've told you before, heaven is a lovely place. It is. Imagine a city that is 2,000 miles long, 2,000 miles wide, sorry, 2,000 kilometers long and wide, and 2,000 kilometers high. That's the distance between here and Durban. That's the size of the city. Everything that you see around here is going to go away. It's going to burn up. And Jesus is going to make everything new. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Where the sun is not needed because the glory of the Lord will be the one that gives us light. Hallelujah. It, it's a place where there's no disease. It's a place where you not use words like, oh, I've got to do this hustle. <laughs> oh, there will be work. Make no mistake about it because we'll be serving God. But it will all be in its glory without sin and all these things that we're experiencing down here. And that's where Jesus wants to be with his people. Hallelujah. We also saw that he wants us to work as one towards bringing as many as we can into the kingdom. He wants us to work as one. And I talked to you about synergy. To say that the way things work is that one times one will always be one. There's not much you can do with one times one. But when you take one, multiply it by one, and you put that in brackets and you put it to the power, let's say 20, then all of a sudden one times one is no longer one. It's so much more. And he's calling us to this oneness to say, I need you to be one. Because when you are one, there's a lot more you accomplish. When you are one with God through Jesus Christ, there's a lot more you accomplish. When you are one as believers in Christ Jesus Christ, there's a lot more you will accomplish in bringing others through your message. Hallelujah. When you are one as a marriage, there's a lot more you accomplish. And we'll look at this next week. There's a lot more you accomplish. When you are married and you are, uh, you are moving as one. When we move as one in love, others are drawn through, uh, through, through us to him. I've talked to you about how where people see love, they want to be a part of it. It's just, it's just human nature. Where there's love, you want to be a part of it. In John 34, uh, John 13 verse 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another. Okay? It's that simple. Just love one another. And then he, he 
he qualifies it. It's because we, we can talk about love one another. We can talk about all these things that we need to be. But if you haven't experienced it, you, you can't love sincerely. You give only what you have experienced when it comes to relationships. Amen? You only give what you have experienced. So he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. How does Jesus love you? Because the way Jesus loves you is the way you're going to love somebody else. So, love is central, as we shall see later on. Our love should be sincere. So, here is the thought that I want us to burn in our minds as we go through this. We must intentionally, proactively promote oneness in Christ. It must be intentional and it must be proactive. Don't wait for it to happen to you. You make it happen. Hallelujah. Pour, promote the cause of Jesus Christ. Where someone needs to hear it, speak it. Where someone needs to see it, do it. Demonstrate it. Our oneness in Christ will, will, will move us to promote him wherever we are. I was in the car the other day listening to BBC and there was, a, there, there was an article that, that was just downright um, evil. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Um, I'll, I'll not even dignify it by telling you what it was about. But when it came up, I just changed station. I said, we can't be listening to this. And with the passenger I was with, we went into a discussion about why that is wrong and why that is blasphemy. But it's supposed to be a scientific fit. But it's, it's, it's not. It flies in the face of God. Some things we don't need to hear or see. And we started talking about God's plan and, and, and all these things. We have to proactively promote the cause of Christ. We have to proactively promote oneness in Christ. Hallelujah. But it has to be intentional. If for you to be one with Christ means you have to wake up at 3 a.m. and pray and read the Bible and so on, so be it. Do it. Because by the end of the day, you know that Christ in you, just like he is in the Father, means God is involved in your life. And that is far better than anything else. So why does it matter? Why does promoting oneness in Christ matter? Well, number one, it glorifies God. Jesus talked about the glory of God through our oneness. It glorifies God. That's what our lives is supposed to be all about. Everything we say, everything we do, we do it as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. It should bring glory to God. When people see what we do, the way we do things, people should say, There's a God. Hallelujah. In, I can challenge you, no matter what you do in life, you have an opportunity to glorify God. Amen? You have an opportunity to glorify God. No matter how small you think it may be, but somebody somewhere, B, 
begins to think, you set off their questioning, you set off something that says, only someone who is special or only someone who is different can do this. And you have set them off on a path to inquire about the Lord. The second thing, why does it matter that we should promote oneness in Christ? Well, others come to know God through Jesus Christ. And they get to partake of God's love. They get to partake of God's grace. They get to partake of the forgiveness of sin if they come to Christ. They get to, 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 to experience the newness of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. They, they get to partake of the spirit of God in our lives. It's an amazing thing. It's, when I look back at, at, at the lady God used to, to, for me to get to know Christ eventually, uh, she, she, she still is a very selfless person. But she took time. She was a biology teacher. I'll never forget that woman. She took the time. She said, I need to speak with you because I've noticed your grades are going down. What's wrong with you? I tried to just give her the politically correct answers. She never gave up. And she was on my case until one day I just said, you know what? Let me just tell her. And I told her the whole story, everything that was happening. And she says, I know what that is like. Because at the age you are right now, my parents also divorced. And I know what you're going through. But Jesus will make a difference. And I was like, <laughs> what, does, what does Jesus have to do with anything? I see him on Sunday every day. I mean, we go to church. She said, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. And she gave me a book. She said, you study this. And I started studying that book and I would meet with her and she would be asking me questions and, and what, what do you understand and so on and so forth. Until one day, I've told you before, I was studying for my geography exams from four exams and, and the spirit of the Lord. I just knew this is something that I need to do. I need God in my life. And I went to that prayer and I asked him to be my savior and my Lord. First April of 1991. And to move around with the knowledge that God is with me. God is on my case. To move around with the knowledge that no matter what happens in my parents' family, Maybe they may never get back together again, but God will never leave me. That, priceless. Because somebody was selfless enough to come forward and say, you need to know about Jesus Christ. You need to be one with God through Jesus Christ. And you will see how your life will be better. Oh, she was very open. She said, it doesn't mean you'll not face problems. And I've had plenty of those. I've had my own challenges. There was a time, uh, Pastor was saying, there was a time I was one, I said, Pastor Sunga is sick again. Will this guy get well? I don't want to lose this guy. And I didn't know he was thinking about those things. <laughs> but you know, those times when you are sick and you feel like you are at the door of heaven. So I've had my share. But I can tell you, God has been with me all the time as per his promise. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Never will I leave you nor forsake you. If that woman had not taken the time to share with me about Jesus Christ and the difference he makes 
in people's lives, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be saying the Lord is good. Or test and see that the Lord is good. Somebody took the time. Took the effort. I parried her off with all sorts of arguments, but she kept coming. So, when we are talking about promoting oneness in Christ, it's a lot of work. We don't serve God at our own convenience. He's not a user-friendly God, by the way. He's not an app. Oh, I want to know the exchange rates today. There's an app for that. You want to know how to get to KICC Malawi? There's an app for that. Google Maps, you type in KICC Malawi, you'll get here. No, no, no. God is not an app. <laughs> He's God. Amen? And sometimes when he tells you, I need you to pray in a weather like this, but it's at 4 p.m., just pray. Hallelujah. So the world that we are involved in bringing others to is a marvelous world. It's a great world where God is with his people. Why does it matter that we should promote Christ, oneness in Christ? We benefit from the values that others bring to the community, to the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 14. The Bible says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or Senas or Tongas, Chewas, you name them, Igbo, they're all there. Slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. The source is God through his spirit. Amen? Now, just as a body is one, but it has got different units, so are we in Christ. We are all one because we drink from the same spirit. We are baptized by the same spirit. It's the same Jesus that we have in our lives. The one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That one Jesus is the one that we preach here. He's the one that we take, um, we, we partake of together. But we are different. We've got different skills. We've got different personalities. But the Holy Spirit, what he does is that he gives each and every one of us a different gift. For the sake of the body of Christ. You take that gift and you bring value to the body of Christ. Amen? So, for example, um, somebody's gift is works of mercy. Bring it. Look for opportunities where you can show mercy to other people. There are some people you just want to get things done. There are some people who are good at it. Amen? How many of you noticed the signposts that we have? Okay. That wasn't pastors doing. There was somebody else running around. <laughs> we need to have this. 
everybody has got a capability, a value you bring to the body of Christ. You ask me to teach the king's kids, you, you'll be messing things up. Okay? Because it, it takes a certain kind of skill and patience <laughs> to work with kids. certain kind of grace to work with kids. And there are people who do that away from the limelight. They are doing it every Sunday. May God bless them. But find your value and put it into the body of Christ. Don't worry about what you will get first. You give what you've got. Amen? Because I think that's one of the problems, the challenges we have with the body of Christ. People are expecting the church to do something for them. So then they can do something for the church. You've got it round backwards. Do what you can. Do what God has given you. Bring the benefit. Bring the value. And as surely as the sun came up this morning, although you're not looking at it or you can't see it, but God will water you back. Because what you plant, you will reap. Galatians 6 verse 7. So that's why it matters. Some of the few reasons why it matters for us to promote Christ, to promote oneness in Christ, to help each other walk in the Lord, to be able to talk to each other bluntly and squarely about things that will help us to walk closely with the Lord, but also that will help us to work as a community towards the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ and helping others to grow in Christ. Ministering one to another our different needs that we have around us. We've got to do that in unity. Hallelujah. So now let's look at the five steps or the five things that we, we, we should think about um, as a starting point in promoting oneness in Christ. Okay? We'll just talk about five. I know the, the Bible has a whole lot more, but we're just going to talk about five. The first one is we need to live in love. Imagine with me a world without love. What would it be like? What would you see in a world without love? Think about it and let me know. Class, what would a world without love look like? Thank you very much. Next one. <laughs> a world without love would be terrible. You wouldn't be safe with people. You would only look out for yourself. You wouldn't be patient with anybody. Nobody would do good to anybody, with anybody, for anybody. It's terrible. John 13 verse 34, we looked at this before, where Jesus Christ said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Most of us do not love. Most of us, we trade, as Pastor McGuff likes to say. We trade. If you do this, then I will do that. That's not love. That's trading. Okay? That is trading. It's what you do at the grocery store. I'm looking for a packet of milk. They give you a packet of milk. You give them the, give them the money. That's a trade-off. 
That's not love. Because when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is tough. Love is tough. But it's worth it. Love is tough, but it's worth it. The love we have experienced in Christ Jesus should be our motivation. As we promote oneness in Christ. As we promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our love should be sincere. We are told in the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 9. It says, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Our love must be sincere. So when I am telling you that I love you, I better mean it. Otherwise, keep your mouth closed. And here is the funny thing. That in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Bible tells us that if whatever we do is not motivated by love, we gain nothing. Other versions say we are just making noise. We are a noisy gong. Have, have you? You know what a gong is? I was, I was in boarding school. Um, in my secondary school, I was in boarding school. And we used to have a gong. Which was just a huge rim of a truck. A metal one. I don't know where they found them, but they were there. So we used to have people assigned to ring the gong. So at 5 a.m., and you knew it's time to wake up. And at different times of the day, that gong would go, and you knew what it meant. There were bells. There still are bells, I think. But the Bible says when you do things and it's not out of love, you are a noisy gong. Now, gongs can mean stuff, all right? If you have watched uh, uh, cultural um, uh, presentations, especially by the Chinese and the Japanese, they've got different types of gong, and they, they mean different things. But what a tragedy to do all we want to do and broadcast ourselves when there's no love. You're just making noise in the people you are purporting to love. That's all it is, noise. May it not be so in our lives. May it be that when we say we love each other, we actually know we love each other. And sometimes it has to be tough love. There's such a thing as tough love. Where you do something that is counterintuitive uh, to the one who is a recipient, but it is actually good for them. It is actually good for them. talking to a group of people yesterday and um, one of them was like, no, you know, then I need to have your phone number and we should talk and so on. And, and, uh, and I said, here's my number. When you contact me, you better be serious about what you want us to talk about. Otherwise, don't waste my time and I will block you if you start waking, wasting my time. I'll block you. Uh, they contacted me later on. So, Pastor, can I have that thing? I said, yes, here it is. Okay, I'll come back to you with feedback. I said, all right. It was tough, but when I was talking to this person, they were, you know, you know when people ask you questions and you know they are sizing you up. I don't have time for that. 
Let's talk serious things. <laughs> so I knew he was sizing me up. I knew he was just going to ask questions to Westman. So I, I, I just came out with him and said, you get my number? You better talk serious or I'll block you. And strangely, he, he's begun telling his friends, oh, I'm so-so's friend, so can we talk? Sometimes we need tough love. Sometimes we need tough love. Sometimes we need people who will say, if you will be late again, you know those kinds of people. <laughs> and you know they mean well, but they're telling you tough things, right? Yeah. We need those people. When you see the heart, you can take the, the wounds that come from a friend rather than getting the kisses of an enemy. You know an enemy can kiss you and, and you would think they love you when they don't. That's why we have words like things like that. The, it looks nice. It looks great. But really their intentions are not out of sincere love. They are out to destroy you. May God give us the discernment to know such people. And the wisdom to know how to deal with them. So live in love. Whatever your motivations will be for you promoting Christ or oneness in Christ should be in love. <laughs> Jesus says that those I love, I rebuke. So if you're not ready to receive rebuke from the Lord and it comes from people sometimes, ah, there are things you need to work out. The one who rebukes you loves you. Hallelujah. They love you. That was about tough love. But love can also be tender. You actually know in this place, I am loved. Live in love, Jesus promises us. And he says, you will see how the world will beat a path to your door and say, we want to be part of this. We want the Jesus you have because you have loved them. Number two, live in obedience. Imagine a world where disobedience is rife. What would it be like? One day you're driving along the road and someone just decides, ah, I'm tired of driving on the left-hand side of the road. I'm going to drive on the right and they're coming at you. Disobedience. I've taken a very extreme example, but these things are happening all over. There are times when I'm driving, I'm in the right place where I'm supposed to be, and somebody just decides, well, they can overtake me and just cut in front of me. It's almost expected. The other day I was, I was, I was going home and um, I, I was resting that day, so I just left the kids at school. And decided I was going to go home and, and just be home that day. And uh, there's a queue going into town and I'm the one going out of town and it's clear. So somebody gets out of the queue, blares their headlights and they're coming straight at me. <laughs> hmm. You know what I did? We came head to head and I just stopped. He made all his gestures and whatnot. And I was just there waiting for him. 
and the queue was going. He actually lost the place he was at, right? <laughs> and and he's, he's, he's making all these gestures and so on and so forth. And there was a minibus driver who rose, up, rose down his window. <laughs> and then finally, he inched his way in and joined the queue. Disobedience. And someone we think it's okay, it can be done. But it's dangerous. We know that our businesses are supposed to pay tax. And we don't. Disobedience. That's what a world full of disobedience looks like. You know what you are doing is ruining your life. You continue doing it. And the spirit of God has got his finger on that issue and you don't want to address it. That's disobedience. And life is not nice when you're in that situation. Read Psalm 32. David says, my bones were wasted. They were dry. It was like you have dry bones. You, you don't have any lubrication. You, it, it's pain. It's a life of, of guilt. It's a life of constant frustration. But God will not remove that finger because he says, my child, I can't have you continue with this. You need to address this. And, and if you don't, you will not find relief. And David writes in Psalm 32, I remember I preached on this about the blessing of being forgiven. The relief, he says, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. And this was the issue with Bathsheba. Remember that, that scandal from State House? Yeah. The guy was relieved. When your sin is forgiven, there's relief, there is comfort, there's a restoration to the Lord that is unparalleled. So when God points out something in your life, deal with it quickly, deal with it immediately. We can't pussyfoot around sin that God points us. You know what a pussyfoot is? Have you seen a cat? A cat, the way a cat will... It's not if they are tentative about where they are going to, 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 to step, they they that's that's pussyfooting. Slowly. Oh yeah, this is firm. Okay. This this is so some people do that with sin. And Jesus says, if it's your eye causing you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter into heaven without one eye than have both eyes and go to hell. So obedience to the word of God. In John chapter 14, verse 23. John chapter 14, verse 23. And we'll read verse 23 and 24. Jesus was replying to his disciple who was saying, so are you now at this time going to show yourself to, to, to the world? And he had completely missed what Jesus was saying. Jesus just goes back to the point he was, he was talking. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. If you love Jesus, you will obey him. Verse 24. Anyone who does not love me will obey my teaching. Sorry. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. So loving the, obeying Jesus Christ is obeying God. Jesus says, what, what, what I tell you to do, which you obey, is coming from the Father. And when you begin to, to obey what I'm telling you, what I have taught you, then I and the Father will come and manifest. Today's English, 
we will come and show up in your life. Do you understand? We'll come and show up in your life. In fact, we'll come and show up and show off in your life. You know, there are times God shows off. Have you considered my servant job? Remember? Show off. And he gets all the glory. So I want you to notice the following. In this verse that we have looked at, love is tied to obedience. You cannot love God and disobey him. When you love God, you obey him. It's amazing the kind of things people do for love. It's amazing. You would think uh, the people in the village will say, You remember that song? Because there are certain foods I know when I drive home and we turn at some point, there are certain foods that these guys have on the fire. When I buy those foods, my wife, I have finished her. If I, if I bring you Chimanga Chokazinga, will you appreciate it? You do? And you'll be wondering what's wrong with pastor. <laughs> but the things I do for my wife, you would think, he's been meant to be stupid. But hey, I love the woman. So when she says, on your way back, bring me roasted maize, I will get roasted maize. Whether it was a great sermon or not, I will get roasted maize. And I don't care what you think. <laughs> if you love Jesus, you will obey his commands. The other thing is, there's always a blessing, there's always a benefit if you obey. Your blessing is tied to your obedience. I think in KICC, this one we shouldn't even have to talk about. It's been a, a, a <laughs> overbeaten dead horse. Your blessing is tied to your obedience. Plenty of scriptures to show us that. There will be a benefit for you, whether it is now or whether it is later. Whether it is for you, whether it is for somebody else. But your blessing, your obedience will be beneficial. There will be a blessing one day because you've chosen to obey the word of God. And the word of God tells us that it will never go back to him empty. It will have to accomplish what he sent it to do. And many times when you talk about blessing, we think it is for me, it is for now. It's not always true. It's not always true. Years after my father passed, there are people I have met and they have treated me well on account of how they we are treated by my father. They say, what? You are Kingston's son. This, this issue, don't worry about it. I'm on it. And it happens. Because of the way my father treated them. So some of the things we are doing now, they are not even for us. They are for my grandchildren. They will say, Pastor Sung, KICC, just give me a number. It's done. Someone will benefit. It may be you. It may be somebody else. When you read the story of KICC and how it started and the things that Pastor Matthew had to go through, 
I say, bless that man, Lord. Because had he not obeyed, today wouldn't have been here. Would have been maybe somewhere else. But God knew we needed to be here. So he raises up somebody, and that somebody obeyed. And here we are today. So living in obedience, again, is linked to a revelation of who God is, in spite of your experience and what you know. In Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 8, Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 8, Jesus is calling his first disciples and he finds them mending their nets. They have been trying to fish the whole night. Okay? And he asks for a platform and says, Peter, uh, I need your boat. I need, I have, I've got a sermon to give. I need your boat. Peter says, sure. And pushes him up a little bit. And then he preaches and he preaches and he preaches. And Peter is washing. Uh, Peter and his partners, business partners, are washing their nets. Other versions of the Bible actually say they are mending their nets, which means it was hard because if your nets are, are, are broken and they need mending, uh, you know that was a tough night, right? And they didn't catch anything, by the way. So, after he had finished speaking in verse 4, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. In other words, do you know what we've just been through? Do you know what it is like to go out and fish all night? Those guys live around 9, they come back around 3 a.m. in Lake Malawi. And it's worse when there are winds like this at this time of the year. A lot of them die out there in the lake. And Peter said, do, do, you, <laughs> do you know the amount of hours I've put into this? It sounds like something you have said, right? And, and then something happens to Peter at that moment. And then he says, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. In other words, it's your fault if this works or not. <laughs> okay? God, I'm going to do this because you have said so. If this person you are saying I should pray for gets healed, hey, praise God. If he doesn't get healed, I'll say, I told you. We worked all night. Now you're coming and you're saying, put the nets on this side. There's nothing. It's your fault. You deal with it. I only did what you said. But after having done so, they had caught a large number of fish and their nets began to break. Fast forward to verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knee and said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He, all of a sudden, he has a revelation that Jesus is Lord and he is sinful. And from this point on, Peter is told that famous statement. From now on, you will catch men. The revelation, realization of who God was and who Peter was before God switched his obedience just like that. All of a sudden, what he did throughout the night didn't matter. When he saw the fish, he was like, who is this person? This has got to be the Lord. And I, I'm sinful. Probably thinking about what he had just said to him. So, living in, in obedience also entails living in loyalty. 
This loyalty issue, we may have to deal with it another time. But did you know that loyalty to the word of God, loyalty to God is very critical in our lives? Loyalty to the leaders God has given us is very critical. Loyalty to your wife is critical. Loyalty to your husband is critical. Loyalty to your parents is critical. So, live in love, live in obedience, and the third one, live in holiness. Sin will always seek to destroy oneness in Christ. Always. When we look at the book of Acts in chapter 5, there's the, book, there's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And these people, by the way, are believers in Christ, right? Background is that Barnabas has sold a piece of land and he has brought all the money to the church. And people are like, whoa, yes, there's need. the church has got uh, resources. Ananias and Sapphira, believers in Christ Jesus, decide, ah, we'll do that too. We too can do it. And so they go and sell a piece of land, but they don't bring everything. But they present like they have brought everything. And Jesus, the spirit of Jesus speaks to Peter. That's verse 1 to 11. The spirit of Jesus Christ speaks to Peter. And Peter realizes that what Ananias and Sapphira had done was a lie. In verse 4. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold, that piece of land? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now remember, okay, then, then Ananias, after he had heard it, he dies and some people go and, and they bury him. On their way back, Sapphira had now come. She's continuing the same lie. And then Peter also speaks words and, and, and she dies. Can you imagine someone in here, you know when we say tithes and offerings, and God points out that's a lie and you die on the spot. What would be the atmosphere like in here? And remember, this is at a time when thousands are being added to the church every day. And there are miracles happening, signs and wonders happening. It's, it's, it's a temptation for us to want to be like, to be part of the limelight. And you begin to want to manipulate things. And you want to lie, and you want to do this, and, and, and God says, no, 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 here we're going to do a, a, a lesson. We're going to give an object lesson. So two people died just like that. And the Bible tells us that when that happened, a great fear fell upon the church. You would think twice before you became a believer. <laughs> okay? Yeah, because God does not tolerate sin. He wants us to live in holiness. The Lord was serious and he still is. By the way, this is in the New Testament, the age which we're in. And God deals with sin that threatens oneness. In any case, all sin threatens oneness. But there are some things that you actually see that this is targeted at breaking the oneness in Christ. God dealt with it right there and then. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 14. The Bible tells us that as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. That's where we lived. Don't conform to those things anymore. Jesus Christ has saved us. He has changed our lives for us to, 
to, to, to go after what the spirit goes, uh, wants, wants us to be in, in, to live in holiness. Verse 15, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. How can we pursue unrighteous living when the Lord who wants to be one with us is holy? People ask questions. They say, are you saying this person is your member at KICC? Yes. Ah, I think you may have to talk to them again. Or there are some things you may need to look into. Why? Because the life we are living and what they know about this community, they are different. There are people who have said, if this is what Christianity means, then I think I'm okay. <laughs> Don't tell me about Jesus and heaven and so on. Because they have seen a life which, which is claiming to be a Christian, but they are not living according to the standard. People know that God is holy. And all God is saying is, if you are to be one with me, if you are to walk with me in unity, in oneness, then be holy just as I am holy, because we will be one of a kind. And birds of a feather flock together. So choose who you fly with and how high you fly. But Joshua said, as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Living a, a life of holiness is, is not popular. It will not get you many likes. It has never been a popular way of life. Consider Noah and his generation. So Noah, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. Who told you to build a boat? God. Why? Because it's going to rain. At that time, remember, it had never rained. Eh? 120 years he's preaching the same message. And the Bible describes Noah's generation. It could have well been our generation right now. Everything that was happening, happened. Everything was normally happening the way normally things happen. But God had said, it is going to rain. Noah was not a very popular preacher. But this is what our God is like. He is holy. And if we are to enjoy our oneness with him and our brothers and our sisters in Christ, then holiness is not negotiable. If we are going to make it to heaven, then let us pursue holiness. Oh yeah, we are all works in progress. Amen? But at least, let us not be where we used to be. Let us be on the journey. Let's pursue holiness and shun sin. When we do sin, we do well to confess it before the Lord. First John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Confess it before the Lord. When it shows up, when God puts his finger on it, deal with it. Please, I beg of you. It's not worth it losing your fellowship with Christ. Because starting again is not easy. Go to the, to the sermons that, 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 that uh, pastor um, preached to us. He taught us about starting again. It's not an easy process. So while we can avoid it, let's just avoid the things that would want us to go back and do a reset. In other cases, we need to confess our sins before our brother or our sister. John, uh, James chapter 5 verse 16. 
Some of the things we are sick with, some of the things we struggle with, we just need to go and confess to other people. Amen? They may accept it, they may not accept it, but it's okay, you have done what you needed to do. And God will take care of the rest. Point number four, live in humility. Live in humility. We have talked about living in love, living in obedience, living in holiness, now living in humility. All these things we are talking will promote oneness in the body of Christ in your life. We've got a teaching about the life of pride some, some few weeks ago. Remember? The three traps and temptations in life. One of the things was about pride. And even though it's amazing, we know how dangerous pride is, how destructive it is, but yet we, we, we continue to engage in it. There's a big problem. And yet 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 to 17 is very clear about the pride of life. The pride of life. And its destructive nature. Just go back to those, uh, to those audios. Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs we are taught that pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. When people think, I have made it, there's no one like me, destruction is near. When there is pride, you know that oneness is also threatened. In a community like this one, no one is more important than the other. The moment you begin to think you are much more important than the other person, you are, dis you, you are endangering the oneness of the team. Ask David Beckham and why Sir Alex Ferguson let him go. He was becoming too big. But for Sir Alex Ferguson, no matter how good you were, the team was always the first. So, please leave. And Manchester United is still there up to this day. There was a place I used to do ministry at. I used to think I'm indispensable until things came to a head and I had to leave the organization. I struggled because I thought I am indispensable. They need me. I left and guess what? Up to this day, the organization is still going on. Stronger actually than, than it was during my time. You think God has run out of people? God will not tolerate pride. It was a hard lesson to learn, but hey, I learned it. Please don't, don't, don't do it like I did. Just be humble. <laughs> the challenge is that pride is not content being alone. When pride sets in, it comes with its cousins and second cousins, the, the selfishnesses and all these things, you know. It just begins to destroy the whole batch. The loaf is, is destroyed. No room is given to others because after all, I am the prominent one. I am the go-to guy. If you want counseling and your life to change, just call me. <laughs> and yet there are trained counselors in this church who do a much better job than I am. Than I do. Pride will say, don't go to anybody else. 
I, I am I am the head. I'm the big kahuna. Don't don't go anywhere else. I will do this. Nobody else. And when God begins to raise people who are who are gifted just like you, you don't want to promote them. You don't want to nurture them. You want to put them down. You want them to leave because you want all the thing to yourself. May God help us from pride. First Peter chapter 5 verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Other versions say God gives grace to the proud but shows favor to the humble. Clothe yourself with humility. You wake up in the morning, one of the things you should wear is humility. Humble yourselves, therefore, verse 6, under, the, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. We used to sing a song. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up higher and higher and he will lift you up. Humility. If Joseph wasn't humble, there would have been no higher and higher lifting. No movement from Potiphar's being in charge of, uh, of Potiphar's house, being in charge <laughs> in prison, but he was still in charge, to being in charge of Egypt. Save the throne of Pharaoh. It takes humility. And when you are humble in small things, God takes notice of that. Timing is everything. Because the Bible says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Don't rush it. I know, especially in the corporate world, you, you, you go after it. You, you, you grab the opportunity by the horns and you bring it kicking and screaming into the room, right? Otherwise, people will take it from... But God says, no, 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 no. In due time, he will do it. It's the same temptation that David had with his men. He is hiding in a cave and Saul shows up. Here's an opportunity. Get rid of the guy and tomorrow you'll be in state house. David says, no, 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 no. Don't, don't touch the Lord's anointed. God in his own time will do it. But David, here is the guy. He has no sword. He, he is vulnerable. Let's just do it. He says, no. In God's own time. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Trust me. God has got a time for everything. When Jesus Christ came on this earth, I think it's the book of Galatians, at that time it was the right time. He wasn't late. He wasn't early. It was the right time for him to come when he did. You read in the book of John, John and Luke where the, the crowd would come and would want to make Jesus king by force. And Jesus would walk away because it was not time. So be humble. Live in humility. In God's own time, when God will have finished preparing you, God will present you for increased impact. At his own time, 
For right, right now, he may be training you in some things. He may be working out some things in you. He may, he may take you and, and showcase you a little bit more and say, oh, okay, this was the first game. It was good, but we need to work on your coordination. Next time, maybe he, can, he might bring you out again for the other game when it's a bigger audience. He wants to see how you're going to handle it when people say, that was a good sermon. What are you going to say? Praise God. Or you're going to say, oh, there's more where that came from. You have no idea. <laughs> Go, <laughs> and we've gone through these things. Humility. And in, in, it's, it's, you submit yourself to your elders. An elder here is standing for somebody who is in authority as well. There are some ministries in this church where the people leading those ministries are younger than me. And they'll say, Pastor, we were looking at this, 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 and, and we need you to do this, this, this. You know what I do? I submit. I don't look at their age. I look at what God is doing through them. I submit. It's like submit to one another. If there is sincere love, submission will not be a challenge. Amen? If there is sincere love, submission will not be a challenge. So in the meantime, learn all you can. Promote oneness. Promote others. If you know somebody who can do something you have been asked to do better, promote them. You are planting. One day you will surely reap. But also, you will have helped to build somebody up. It's what Barnabas did with Paul. Nobody wanted to take in Paul. This guy was killing Christians. Ananias was told, go and pray for Paul because he is blind and so on. And Ananias had, had problems with it. He said, Lord, which Paul? Of Tarsus. The one who's killing us and dragging us to court. The, the guy even reached the point where he got letters in advance just to go and kill Christians. You want me to go and pray for him? Anyway, in obedience he did, he went. But after that, nobody wanted to have anything to do with Paul. Until Barnabas came along. The, the same guy in chapter 5 who, of, of Acts who sold land. And he spent time with Paul. When you begin to read the book of Acts, you read Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul. By the time Barnabas was done with Paul, you begin to read Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas was a very secure guy. He wasn't threatened with Paul rising up in prominence. He wasn't. In fact, that's what he was working towards. But it takes humility. When the person you have been trained becomes better than you, the teacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but you know what Barnabas did? Barnabas knew that people that need to be built out will never run out of supply. So when Paul was off, now you begin to read Paul and Silas. And Barnabas is not even in the picture. Next target, John Mark. And John Mark was so problematic that Paul had reached the point he said, I cannot work with you. Leave. But by the time Barnabas was done with John Mark, it is the same Paul who said, Ask John Mark. <laughs> back because he is, he is useful to me. 
But if Barnabas was not a humble person, oh boy. So let's live in humility. Number five, live in courage. Live in courage. Imagine a world without courage. We would not have printed books had it not been for the likes of Johann Gutenberg who designed and started the first printing press. It, it, was, it wasn't as easy as I'm starting a business because it meant you are going to bring the literature, the knowledge at that time to the local people. And at the same time, you've got people like Martin Luther who decided, no, let's print the Bible. It took courage because the setting at that time was very different. You just didn't have a Bible in any version you wanted. The Bible was only for the clergy. And they used to use it to oppress people. But God does a work in Martin Luther. Now, when God calls you, you better understand that you will need courage. Because some of the things he will ask you to do are not for wimps. They are not for sissies or people who lack courage. We would not have been here had it not been for Peter and his friends. Not so long ago, he's denying Jesus Christ. But when he gets courage, he stands up and he preaches a, a, a very cutting message to his people. And 3,000 come to the Lord on the first day. And from that point, it is like public persecution was instituted in Christianity. They were always against the authorities for preaching the truth. You need courage. When Joshua is told, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I will need you to lead these people. One of the things God told him to have was courage. Because it's not easy to lead a people who just used to hear that we went through an ocean, a, a sea. And now you're at the river Jordan. And all they know is their fathers and grandfathers or something. This is just a story by now. But, but, but when you get to there, you, you need courage to, to convince this group of people who have been disobedient for the past 40 years that this river will stop, will cross on dry land and will start claiming our land. You need courage. Hallelujah. You need courage. You need courage. Chapter, chapter 5, verse 23 of, of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 23 onwards. Uh, because of time, I'll not, I'll not go into the details. But what is happening here is that the apostles are persecuted for, for something that they did, something nice. Um, somebody was healed and they are persecuted and they are made to answer for their actions. This is a time when they stand up and they answer the, them and say, you choose before who we should, we should obey. And this was the time when they saw that, oh, these people have been with Jesus Christ. Okay, So the story from verse 23 is that they are, they are jailed and later on they are released. When we come to verse, um, which verse is that? I think verse 23, it is talking about, am I in Acts chapter 3, 5, yeah. I, I got that one wrong. But what happens is that when they are released from jail, the first place they go to is to the church where they report what had happened. And when they go there and they report what had happened, it just so happens that at that point, they decide that we are going to pray. So they pray a prayer 
Oh, I think it's chapter 4. Yeah, thank you. It was chapter 4. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had, caught, had said to them. They had been threatened not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ again or something worse will happen. But then they go into prayer. They tell God all these threats and everything. And when they had finished praying, verse 31 of chapter 4 says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what they do next? And they spoke the word of God boldly. With courage. It's not easy to speak the word of God boldly. And with courage. Even today. In some countries it has already started happening. You cannot speak of things on, on homosexuality and whatnot. It will be classified as hate speech. And if you have a YouTube channel, they will take it down. I don't know where Facebook stands. It will take courage for us to continue to share the truth of God's word. For people to end up being where Jesus Christ is. Remember, that's the goal. So, in conclusion, let me remind you that promoting oneness in Christ and the cause of Christ, it glorifies God. If we are not glorifying God in what we promote, we are missing something. Others come to know Christ. Others, their lives just turn around because we have shared the gospel in, in creative ways, in whatever ways. But they begin to know that there's an eternity in heaven. That life doesn't have to be full of no hope. That there is, that there is a community. God has set apart a family on earth so that we can support and, and, and build each other up. If we do not do this, how, how will they know? Let's promote oneness in Christ. If we are not getting others into this family, then we're missing something. And we need to start. Amen? If we benefit from the value that others bring into this oneness, and they benefit from ours, then we're on a good path. If we're not bringing value to this family of Christ, we're also missing something. So here's the bottom line. What you do not promote, you demote. And I'm saying, promote the oneness in Christ. With the five things that we have, we have spoken about. God will, may, will show you a lot more. But let's start with the five. Pray and say, God, where do I need to start? Am I the type who says, Ah, Lord, those ones have also started baptizing, so send heaven's fire on them. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The one who is not, who is not scattering with me is gathering. Let them continue. Amen? So there are times some of you will ask to go and minister elsewhere, not just here. Because we believe that the body of Christ is bigger than our denominations. You go, you minister, and you come back. Sometimes you go, you minister, and people say, e, I'm going to come to where you do. You say, no, 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 stay there and do what I've taught you. And you come back. Amen? Promoting. That is promoting. Promoting is when another church is running a program that you know will be good for your members. And you say, guys, this one, go, please. Go and attend. You will be helped. And you are secure. 
Some may stay there, some may come back. But what you are saying is, this thing that is happening, we know those who are ministering there, there are people who are working with God, they will give you good stuff, go get it. And when you come back, the question we always ask is, so is it something that you can do here? Don't just go and get blessed and come back. We, we want you to bless others as well. Next week, we're going to look at the benefits of oneness in marriage. And we also that will have a spillover in our families as well because I recognize that there are others who have had run into some pretty tough places when it comes to marriage. And we're going to look at what, what was the plan of the master. And if things have gone wrong, is it a lost cause? Or the Bible speaks to that as well. And what does oneness have to do with all that? If there is an institution that has been attacked heavily by the enemy, it's the institution of marriage. And he knows what he's doing. And he knows why he has focused on that. But by the end of next week, my prayer is that God will help us to think like him when it comes to this thing. Because that's what oneness is all about. For today, may God challenge us in the area where we need to be challenged to start promoting oneness in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. For the challenge you have given to us this morning. These are not easy things to talk about. But we recognize, God, that you are working out something in our midst. I pray, oh God, for everyone who's heard this message, including myself, oh God, that you help us to be humble before you, to walk in love, walk in obedience, in humility, pursuing holiness for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because by the end of the day, Lord, you would want us to be involved in getting others into heaven. I thank you, O oh God, for your spirit that has spoken to us this morning. And in Jesus' mighty name, I glorify your holy name, O oh God, and say, may you be praised and exalted through this message. Amen.